Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Ben. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the CBS All Access miniseries, The Stand. This week we are covering episode 6, The Vigil. Uh, not, no, no new name for this one like they did last week. No, no, no switcheroo. No, like, uh, yeah. I, I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, no synonym names, no uh, undercover names, whatever they did last week. I don't know why they changed the name last week, but. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think both worked. Uh, I liked them both, but I'm like, well, why did you go switch it? I don't know. That was kind of weird. Well, we gave but, it um, three names last week, or at least I gave it three names last week. <laughs> I mean, it was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh um suspicious minds and lots and lots of sex so yeah um, right. any of the three still, of them worked still an night. ongoing theme still yes. an ongoing title for the show for sure as long as they keep showing new vegas that not as that's, not as debaucherous this week as not last as week, much but, but it's still there it's still there still happening still tons of debauchery probably something happening. you're going to see every time we see vegas from this point forward probably Gosh, I have so many just thoughts, but I just, I can't talk about them here. Um, not, <laughs> I know. Not appropriate, because I have so many questions about <laughs> how that would actually Well, we're going to get into them. We're going to get into them for sure. Yeah, I don't, well, there's just some things I feel is not appropriate to talk about. I'm, I'm going to go over, I'll, I'm going to cross a line, and I don't want to do that, so. Um, uh, now I'm curious. <laughs> Offline, Ben. Offline. Okay, all right. <laughs> We'll talk about it offline. It, this is not. It's it's not podcast talk. Okay, probably okay. not not appropriate for about about young this, years about, about this show about New Vegas in general. Just oh, questions and, and gotcha. thoughts about New Vegas, like practicalities. Like, how can I get there? Um, and how do I book a room? 
Yeah, I'm Googling right now how the distance, you know, actually I've flown here from um, to Vegas. It's uh, four hours, well, about four hours or so. But uh, uh, I guess if, if what we're in the in the apocalypse, there's no plane. So I'm going to have to what, moped it, hopefully find a, a yeah. car with some gas. So it might take me a little longer. <laughs> I mean, there there are cars with gas. I mean, so, you know, you could just take make the drive. I don't know why more people weren't in cars. I felt like there were so many people walking and on bicycles and stuff. And I'm like, surely some of these cars still work, right? Like you can find the keys, you know, I don't know. And well, it's pe- not that far into the apocalypse, like the walking dead where you're like 10 years out and the cars probably wouldn't really be like the batteries and all of that probably still wouldn't be working. Um, you know, they're not that far out. These vehicles should still be in working order, but so many people were walking and using mopeds and things like that. Well, I mean, I mean, people arrived in caravans of cars, so there are yeah, definitely cars true. that work. That, I mean, unlike The Walking Dead, this is something that wiped out like 99% of the population in a matter of a couple of days, mm-hmm. whereas in The Walking Dead, it it was an apocalypse that happened over time, mm-hmm. relatively quickly, but happened over time. There were more survivors in the zombie apocalypse than there were from Captain Trips. Yeah, and it's true because the apocalypse happened longer or took longer to happen in Walking Dead. More people were hoarding stuff, mm-hmm. so there was it was a lot harder to find gasoline and things like that. Um, there's a lot less people alive now. In cap in the world of the stand, so I think gasoline and working vehicles are probably, I would guess, a lot easier to find. I would guess in this apocalypse as compared to Walking Dead. I would agree. I would agree. But yeah, I'd I'd be hiking it to Vegas. Why not? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I could tell you a number <laughs> of reasons why I wouldn't be going to Vegas, but. At least for now, anyway. We'll see. We'll see how it ends up. It does make you curious, though. And I wonder how many people who've read the book or watched the miniseries or watching this series right now would actually question, because I know I have, where would I end up during all of this? (laughs) Because, look, I have not lived the most perfect moral life. I have made mistakes in my life. Of course, Um, yes. As Same. I'm sure many, many people have. I like to think I have a good heart and I'm generous and, and things like that. So I'd like to think I'd end up in Boulder. But who the hell knows? Well, my very limited understanding, and again, we have not read the books, but from my reading, as you know, we're, you know, I, I watch the episodes, do some analysis, and then I'll go do a little reading, um, you know, and do some comparisons, like how is this different from the book, since I don't have that knowledge. Um, and what little I've read, not a lot, it sounds like it's not so much the people in Vegas, like they're evil or bad. It was at least, I think in the book, Vegas appealed to people that are like um, technical or like engineers who like structure and order because in the book that's what Vegas was and that's what we saw in the ninety four series too it was it was much more controlled um, and they had a lot of structure a lot of rules um, that you had to follow. Uh, so they weren't necessarily bad people. It was just kind of guided um, or more of like uh, appealing to a certain um, amount of people who had who liked that type of thing. It was just mm-hmm. very orderly is, is what I get. Now, clearly, there's not a whole lot of order 
in this Vegas, or at least it doesn't appear to be. I have some thoughts on that, which I won't go into because it is one of my talking points. Okay. Um, But it is a very, obviously very different Vegas. And they do make it seem like, you know, the, the, the worst of the survivors are the ones that migrate there because, I mean, we've got death matches, you know, and they're, they're, they're cheering them on, you know, all these death matches and stuff. And not that the sex stuff is bad. I don't think that it makes you a bad person if you enjoy, you know, watching these dancers on poles and, you know, there's a big, you know, the, the whole, like, I don't know if they're like in the lobby or whatever it is, as they're walking around, there's all these dancers and people are just having sex, like everywhere you turn around, you know, that doesn't make you a bad person by any means or an evil person. Um, but, you know, cheering on people in death matches, I'm not sure about. So I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to say about the people who are in this Vegas in this series versus like the 94 series or in the book. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily the sex that, that makes these people the way they are, because I mean, look, last week we, we had very obviously implications that Stu and Franny were having sex because Harold Mm -hmm. was watching them. So, Oh, yes, yeah, there are sex happening both in Las Vegas and in, in New Vegas and Boulder. So, yeah, I mean, you'd be out of your mind to think that people are not being, you know, consensually together in Boulder too. like everybody there is celibate. Like that's that's a little ridiculous. Right. Right. So, and pure or, you know, godlike or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, there's there's things happening, I'm sure. So, yeah, it's just, you're right, but, like, the the gladiator matches and the people cheering them on and rooting for death to happen, like, that's where it gets a little questionable mm-hmm. when it comes to the morality of the people in New Vegas. Yeah. I I wish we kind of got to know a little bit more of the people. I know, like, you know, we get to see Lloyd and, you know, uh, you know Julie's there, but we haven't really gotten to see, like, a lot of other people who make up... New Vegas, like the residents there, the people that have migrated there instead of going to Boulder, they've come here, you know, so we haven't really got to kind of see that. Like, you know, what is it about? Why did they go end up here? And because it it sounds like a lot of people were dreaming of both Mother Abigail and um, Flag. So why did they decide to go here versus there? What well, was yeah, that, that even, was appealing? Even, even Stu and Franny were having dreams of both mm-hmm. Randall Flag and, and Mother Abigail. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of morally, which way did they go? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't but know. before we dive too deep, this is a question usually posed to me every week and I'm going to turn the tables and I'm going to pose it to you first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts? What were your overall general thoughts on the episode this week? I really liked this episode um, for many, many reasons. <laughs> um, some very shallow reasons, but... Um, <laughs> I know one. I know you probably do. I, I posed that. I was like, one, wonder if it, anyone can guess why this hap- This could have been one of my favorite episodes. One um, scene in particular, I'm just like, oh, Rima's loving this episode. I am. I'm, I'm a sick, sick person. I don't know what's wrong with me, but yeah, there we are. You know, I thought it was a lot of good movement in the story. I thought there were some really great scenes that I know were not in the 94 series. It wasn't, they weren't in the book. Um, but I think there were some really great scenes between some of the characters that I thought were just really great. And they were really great for dramatic purposes. Um, and I, I loved, I didn't even mind Harold so much in this. I know I've, I've said before, like, I wish we could just not maybe get Harold for a little while because I'm kind of cool. done with him. But I think there was some really good stuff in this episode um, that I, I think were kind of pivotal. Um, so I really, 
enjoyed this this episode. We are so on the same page about Harold on this Harold on this episode. <laughs> oh, good. Well, well, let's too. hear what you think then. I, I just you know generally. I'm the same. I kind of feel the same way. I watched this episode twice, and believe it or not, I watched this episode back to back. Like oh, I ended okay. the episode and went right into the episode again. Yeah, M- mainly because watching this episode, there were things like I really enjoyed the episode the first time I watched it. Out, I-, I legit said at the end of this episode as I was watching it, I was like, "Wow!" I'm like, "That was mm-hmm. really good." I was like, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I, there's a couple things like I'm just on the fence about. Like, I don't know how I feel about them. So I immediately went right back into the episode. And by the end, by the end of the second time, I loved the episode even more than I did the first time. Awesome. Like, the things I was on the fence about, I fell to one side ah. and made me. I was like, OK, yep, I get why they made these choices. Uh, this episode is probably my favorite of the series so far. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm interested to hear. I hope you'll have that as one of your your points or in your notes, some of the things that maybe you were kind of on the fence about. But by the end of your second watch, you you had you had made you had leaned one way or another. So I hope Mm -hmm. we get to hear about that. Oh, you will. They are in my top three. And I can tell you one one other note about this episode. Uh, And I'm sure a lot of listeners will probably like this fact. We have been very upfront how we have not read the book. Mm-hmm. And we have mentioned a number of times how we are starting with some friends. We're going to be reading the book once the series is over. Yes. This episode did something for me that the 94, that the entirety of the mini, the 94 miniseries never did. Oh, cool. It made me regret not having read the book. Oh, really? Because... The 94 miniseries was just kind of like a push through the story. There were some changes. There were some not. It was an adaptation that I was like, okay, I get the gist of what the story is. I don't really feel like I need to go back and read the book currently at the point. I get the summary of what the story is. Mm-hmm. There were so many things that happened in this episode that I was like, man, I really want to read the book to find out if it's as tension building in the book mm-hmm. as it was in this episode. Because, man, did this episode play tension really well. It sure did. Yeah. So, yeah, by the end of this episode, I I was regretting more than ever that I have never read the book. And now I really can't wait till the series is over so I can. Yeah, I'm excited, too. I'm excited to start that up with, with you and our friends to um, put this one under our belt. Because yeah. I'm really embarrassed that I haven't read it already since, you know, I have read many Stephen King books and this one was not one of them since I was so intimidated at a younger age whenever I was really going through my huge Stephen King you know like marathon um I was like oh my gosh I'll get to that one eventually so I'm I'm really regretting that um but I'm excited excited to tackle that with 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 you guys but even even before even before this week like I was like I I was of this of the mind I'm like yeah like it's a daunting book Mm -hmm. 1200 pages uh, you know, and I'm like, okay, I, when it's time to read it, I will dive in and read it. And after this episode, I'm like, man, I can't wait to start it. <laughs> like know. now, I'm like anxious to start the book. Yeah, so, I love that feeling. It sucks I've been that I've about a book in a while. It sucks that we like that we have to wait like three or four weeks to I know. start the book. I know. So that's all right. We'll, we'll be here before there. we know it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely. 
All right. Well, I can't wait to hear your topics then um, in your top three, because it sounds like, I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting things um, to discuss. So um, let's not wait any longer. Uh, What is your number three for this week? My number three is a character we have been waiting to see (laughs) since the beginning of this series. Yes. And that is Trash Can Man. Yay! And man... It did not disappoint. This was actually the one thing I was on the fence about mm. when when I watched it the first time. Okay. Um, I want to make a quick note as we're discussing this. Um, uh, we're we're going to be mentioning Ezra Miller quite a bit as we're talking about this. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Ezra Miller does not go by he. He does go by the pronouns they, them. We are going to try and be respectful as possible and try and remember that in our discussions. We may yes. slip here and there because it is. Uh, this is the first time we've ever had to address this on the podcast, so yes, we're 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 going to try our best to be respectful of him and address him how he requests to be re- uh, addressed. Um, but that's that's we're just going to mention that and then move forward with with the discussion. Yep. But <clears throat> so I Ezra's performance of Trash Can Man. The first time I saw I, I saw the performance and I saw um, I saw them do Trash Can Man, I was I was a little I was a little rattled by it at first because I mm-hmm. thought like I'm like okay like this is definitely a different performance than we got in the '94. Yes, and having not read the book, I didn't know how it came across to readers, and it, it seemed like it could have been a really hammed up performance because Trash Can Man is a character who does deal with mental illness and so yeah. it's a very sensitive thing to do and and to try and evoke when you're doing things like this. So watching it, I, I the first time, I'm like, man, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I'm it, like just a little perturbed by it. Mm-hmm. I'll keep watching and until I figure it out. And then the next thing I know, we don't get any more Trash Can Man for the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Watching it the second time, I actually appreciated it a lot more the second time. Because okay. when we're first introduced to the character, there's the music playing in the background, and the music is very disjointed and out of tune at times mm-hmm. and i'm just thinking i'm like like yeah like this is the inside of this guy's head right now right i thought this, the same yeah the music is giving us a feeling of how this character feels at this very moment like he's just the music is crazy he's crazy like this is just how he is and i didn't notice it the first time i watched it but the second time i watched it and i noticed it um, this is a character who literally gets off at explosions. He he does. Literally okay. gets off uh, <laughs> setting shit on fire and blowing shit up. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. there's the scene where he stands up and he's literally getting off on yes, he is. the explosion he just set. And I'm like, wow, okay. They went there. That's the literal definition of what this character is doing. I kind of like it. Like not the not the action of what he's doing, but the the fact that they addressed it. Absolutely, yeah, I did too. Did so yeah, I mean, I just it's the one thing about the episode I was on the fence on the first time. The second time, 
I I decided where I fell, and it's I appreciated the performance. And I I really liked. I I'm really wishing we got this character earlier because oh, I wanted to see yes. more. Yes, and that was. And and Trash Can Man is my number three as well. So I'm just going to just kind of chime in with you yeah. and, and have a conversation about it. You know, it was really bold of them to introduce this character in episode six of a nine episode show. I mean, yeah. I, I really wish the, one of the problems that I have is that we didn't get more of him. And, and I don't even know if I needed a lot more background as to who trash can man is i mean i think that helps if we do kind of if they do explore a little bit uh the the trauma that he experienced as a kid um because i think that's and i don't know if that's where they're going or they will even talk about that at all i know they, there was a slight mention um you know when he was with flag and you kind of see all this playing back in his head uh a, a line about miss simple's pension check you know there in the episode but it, we we didn't have any context or meaning behind it um, so I don't know if we're going to get any of that, but I wish they had maybe just started a little earlier. And even if they didn't give us a whole lot of background, at least introduce him, sprinkle him in mm-hmm. just a little bit. You know, he doesn't have to because we had some episodes where, you know, it was like Nadine and Larry or, you know, uh, you know, Franny or, you know, we had different episodes that were kind of centric around some, you know, characters, even if they had just taken a couple of minutes and sprinkled him in here and there, like setting things on fire or blowing things up or I don't know, just just somehow kind of ease him into it. And then like this episode could then be, you know, now we're going to 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 get him a little bit more in context. We're going to get him, you know, introducing himself to Flag or him being brought in um, to meet Flag. So that that's one thing that I wish that that we had gotten because yeah. we didn't get a lot of that. He's a he's a big character. I mean, he's a side character, but he's still kind of a big character um, in the series. He's an important character um, mm-hmm. in this in this book in the series, and I, I wish we had just gotten a little bit more of him. Well, even in the '94 miniseries, that's exactly what they did. They kind of splashed him in mm-hmm. a little bit, like even if it was just him on his on his four wheeler blowing up an oil refinery and then they just moved on to another character like they gave us a little right. taste of trash can man and I, and you're right i i wish that this series did that same thing mm-hmm. and gave us you know just a little taste here and there of who this character was so that when we finally did meet him in this episode we we were kind of a little bit more adapted to the way he is Mm-hmm. and the, the kind of his headspace. So, and and we were able to get a little bit more of his backstory because that's the one thing I fear is that because of them introducing him this late, we're probably not going to get as much of his backstory as we would like to get. I, I don't know that we will. I don't know that there's time for that in, in the remaining episodes. I I don't know. They might try to get some of it in there, but... I don't know. We certainly at this point don't don't know anything. And maybe maybe we'll get a little bit of that as he's traveling to get the bomb. Maybe. You know, we'll experience some things in his head that mm-hmm. you know, will give us a little bit of a hint to it because his flashbacks are important to the reason as to why he does what he does at the end mm-hmm. of his story. Right. So without that, it kind of loses some of the impact. Yeah. 
so I, yeah, I I wish after seeing him, after finally getting him this week, and we've been saying it for weeks, like oh maybe we'll get Trash Can Man. Next <laughs> I know. Week. Maybe we'll get Trash Can Man. <laughs> we next predicted week. it, like oh I think we're gonna see Trash Can Man. Nope, not this I, week. <laughs> <laughs> finally getting him like you said episode six of a nine episode series uh, man they should have given him to us earlier even if it was just a small taste yeah even if we didn't get like a lot of his background history just seeing him sprinkled throughout like what's he been up to i mean i guess blowing shit up or setting things on fire but at least kind of getting it out there a little bit more and teasing him a little bit more i think would have made more sense yeah i think i I don't know if this was something you noticed or not, and if this is another one of your top three, I I, I apologize, but it's still Trash Can Man uh, related. Mm-hmm. There's a little for, there's a little foreshadowing in this episode, okay, uh, of to the ending. Uh, my I, the way I kind of took this foreshadowing, there's a certain thing that Trash Can Man says in this episode that I'm like, ooh, that's a little foreshadowing. When he ends up in New Vegas and he walks into the elevator with Lloyd, he oh. looks at Lloyd and he and says, you're going to die. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, Definite foreshadowing. At, yeah. I think at that point, just seeing all the things that Trash Can Man saw as he was walking through the casino, mm-hmm. I think he's already got the idea in his mind, At th- even at this early point, I think he's already got the idea in this mind that this is what needs to be wiped out. Yeah. Like, I think he's already kind of set his his sights on this city that this is what needs to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a little foreshadowing there when he tells uh, Lloyd, you're, you're going to die. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he, he already he, knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen. I don't know if he's seen it or just... For some reason, he just knows and had had the need to say it. But yeah, I did I did pick up on that, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Last week, I made the prediction. Uh, my number one was was two predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one came to fruition this week, which we'll get to. Uh, the other prediction was that I felt that Hoover Dam was going to bust, and not an atom, not a, a nuclear bomb going off in New Vegas. Uh, I'm I'm kind of going back on that prediction now. Not uh. necessarily because I don't think it's going to happen because now I kind of don't want it to happen. <laughs> right. After seeing what we got from Ezra Miller's performance mm-hmm. and knowing that Flag is sending him off to see to get the bomb, I want to see the bomb go off. Totally. I don't want to do see the dam collapse. I want to see the bomb go off. Yeah, I think I want to see it too. And and I'm I'm partial to fire. Um I'm a bit of a firebug. Um, guess you know, you, you say pyromaniac. Uh, I've always played with fire since I was a kid, and I've always had a fascination with fire. And used to play in fire quite a bit. And you know, when they tell you that you know playing in fire is going to make you pee the bed, that's never a turn off for a kid. And by the way, I never <laughs> peed the bed because I played in fire. I did almost um, burn my eyebrows off though once, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> Ever been I was I was back in the day when you could still like burn your garbage. We had a yeah. burning barrel and I was burning the trash and I was playing in it. Like after I had put it on after I had set it on fire and I was playing in the fire as it was burning and I didn't know that there was an aerosol hairspray can in there in the trash. Ooh. And <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm sure I don't have to explain what happened or anything. And I think I went inside and I had like black trash bag, like little pieces of the the um, trash bag, like clinging to my face and my hair a little bit. I didn't, nothing burned. I was fine. And no, no burns. No, I got lucky. I get that. I know. Smack my hand. Should be playing in fire. But it's, I've been that way since I was a kid and I still play in fires and i'm the one i'm the one when when we're camping y'all that you know rima's the one that has to get the campfire going because rima knows how to start a fire <laughs> i so. think everybody has like those phases they go through a little pyro <laughs> a little pyro phase from time to time yeah i like i like i never burned anything down never hurt anyone never did any like property damage it was like you know just um just the things that you're allowed to burn yeah. um so anyway so yeah, yeah i i I, I, I would love to see something blow up or be on fire. So I'm on board with that, too. Now, it, it's there is a possibility we could get both. Maybe. Uh, because Hoover Dam is close enough to Las Vegas that while it wouldn't be affected by the blast, there's definitely got to be some earth moving. Yeah, so definitely. It, it could be enough to it shake could, it could the dam. It could knock something loose. And, yeah. you know, kind of the water come down... And put the fire out afterwards and kind of baptize the city, as I said, after the destruction has happened. Yeah, we might get both. That would it, be it's interesting. It's a possibility, but I'm, I'm, go- yeah. I'm going back on my prediction from last week. And okay. I'm, uh, I'm saying I, I don't want that now. Now I want the bomb. Yeah, I, I think I'm for it. that, too. I think I'm for that, too. Well, I, I don't know. I, was, I wasn't sure how to take, you know... I really like Ezra Miller and I I was watching the performance and they did a good job. I I think they did a great job. I, I think they did a really good job, but I'm curious why they kind of took the, the route they did with trash can man, because this trash can man, he's very creepy. He's really feral. And, Mm -hmm. So I'm like that that's a little bit different like as I mentioned the the trash can man in the book and in the um other series you know he's just I think it's he's more emotionally stunted is what I'm trying to say you know I mean he still has some mental illness um, but I think it's it's more to due to that immense trauma that he he experienced as a kid he's not quite as as far off as this trash can man he's he's just very different i think i think the performance was fantastic i'm just curious why they went this route i guess and why they went this far with the character like he's pretty far gone like he he doesn't seem to even he does speak i don't know i guess i'm not sure what i'm really trying to say as i'm sitting here thinking about it it's just quite a departure than than what i'm used to with trash can man so i i kind of understand what you're saying i mean it is a different performance and it's it's interesting to see the way they took the performance because it is so different and but i mean they are definitely somebody who commits to a performance ezra it doesn't matter what he does; they commit to the performance that they put Absolutely. on. Absolutely, whether it's the Flash or Fantastic Beasts or anything else that they've done, they always commit to that performance. And I don't think You're whether right. this was something different from the book and this was their own interpretation or not, 
whatever this performance was, man, they committed to it, and it was it was an amazing performance. I was incredibly impressed. The the performance was amazing. I certainly don't um, take anything away from their performance because it was great. I was just curious the like just a bit of an adjustment i think in the in the direction as far as you know um how far but you're right you know ezra miller he goes all in and usually all in plus 10 percent. you know (laughs) with Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know with his performances so um so i i did like it but i was just curious and maybe we'll learn more maybe i mean this is the first time we're finally seeing him so maybe as we go along and see more of trash can man we'll we'll get a little bit more into that and it will make more sense. But I thought the performance was outstanding. I'm really excited that he's finally here. Agreed. I, I'm, so, I'm 100% excited that we're finally getting this character. Finally get... I mean, I thought, come on. We're, are we going to get it or not? Because, you know, we, we've been talking about him. We, we thought probably, I think, three episodes ago we were going to maybe finally <laughs> <Yeah>. get him. <laughs> Even last, even two weeks ago, when we knew that the next episode was about New Vegas, we're like, "Oh, he's oh, gotta come trash in." Trash can man, yeah. We have to get trash can man this weekend. We still like, never know. Nope, got not not yet. They're gonna hold off. Um, <sighs> but I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see because he is definitely an agent of chaos for Flag. So, um, and I like their interaction between um, him and Flag. Um, thought that was interesting as well. Um, yeah. And I liked it. I liked it. You can see and and. Trashcan Man is the one person I think that sees Flag for who he is and sees him as someone to truly like godlike and he is truly to be worshipped. You know, everyone else still kind of they don't quite know who or what Flag is. They just they follow him and they see like okay, yeah, he you know we're, we're scared of him, we're fearful of him. Um, but I think Trash Can Man sees him for who he is and understands him like no one else does. So I think that's an interesting relationship that those two have. And I and I think it's it that's a lot a lot plays in the way that he sees Flag too, mm-hmm. because up until he's in the the penthouse with Flag, he never saw him as a person. Right. He sees him as these crazy. Willy Wonka tunnel um, flashes of Mm -hmm. just insanity and craziness. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that put this, this kind of thought into, into his head that this is not a man, this is something else. And I need to, my life for him. Yeah. My life for you. You know, he says that a number of times in this episode Mm -hmm. and it's what he's, you're like what you were just going to say. It's what he's famous for saying. Yep. Love it. I'm Love just, it. I'm, I'm really excited we finally got him. Finally got him. Now, I hope we get a little bit more and, and get yeah. a little bit more context and nuance, you know, for his character and, you know, kind of maybe explore that, you know, mental illness a little bit. Get, you know, find that empathy there and kind of, I, I hope anyway. Hope and I want backstory. I want, I want. Yeah. Even if it's just crazy images in his head of him remembering things from his past, I I'll want take backstory. That. I'll take that. Yep, I agree. And I think the and I think the audience needs it too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I have some more points to that as well. So um, why why we need a little bit more of that? But that's great. I yeah, I'm excited for more Trash Can Man. I'm glad we were on the same page 
about yeah. that. Um, what's your number two? So my number two is a little bit of a complaint. Okay. Um, not about this episode in particular, but something I think this series did not do properly. Okay. Um, I don't think they did the judge justice. I agree. That's, <laughs> that's part of my number two as well. All so right. we're, we're definitely on the same page we're tonight. We're on the same wave like this, this week. <laughs> yeah, please continue. <laughs> they, I mentioned it before when they were choosing the three spies. They, they never gave us a lot of the judge's backstory when they chose the judge. I mean, yeah. Dana, we got her backstory a little bit. We know a little bit about what she went through before she came to Boulder Free Zone, why they chose her as one of the spies. Right. Tom Cullen, obviously, we knew a lot about Tom Cullen, who he is. But, it, but this, this series kind of just threw the judge in there. They didn't give us anything about her. Mm-hmm. And then this week... Not only does is is she already gone, but the death that happens, it happened off screen. Yes, thank you. That's my argument as well. Yeah. Like they didn't they couldn't even give us the whole Judge like Bobby happened. Terry interaction, like mm-hmm. the fight that she put up mm-hmm. and like they kind of just brushed the judge story kind of under the rug. Yep. And I kind of have an issue with that because I know, even though we haven't read the book, I know how, even if I hadn't read the book, like, I still would have felt this way about this character because it was kind of, it made her seem like it was just a throwaway character. Right. We we had two people to make spies. We need a third. Oh, let's just throw this one in there because we're going to write her off quick anyway with a death that happens off screen. Mm Mm-hmm. it made her expendable. I know. And, and it didn't have the impact that it should have. No. It should have had more of an impact. She, The judge is not an expendable character. Right. I mean, I mean, in regards to them sending her as a spy, she knew the risk. So in that sense, yes. Yes. She was expendable to the Boulder Free Zone. But as a character in this book, she has importance. Mm-hmm. And they never gave it to us. Right. So, yeah. So like, I, I took issue to that. Um, again, it's not anything that's really tainting my like for the series. I still think this episode is a, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I just that was something that just kind of irked me that, that when we see Bobby Terry and they're carrying a body bag, I'm like, really? I'm like, we like we didn't even get to see the, the events that folded. Exactly. I think that might have, because we didn't get a whole lot of that backstory with the judge. I think maybe that then might have been more impactful seeing the run-in seeing that tension seeing the drama play out between her and bobby terry and his uh i don't know if it's a gang or other people that he was with uh you know as they have this run-in and that would have that would have i think helped in the situation whereas it just ended up falling flat and it didn't have the impact at all yeah i mean i mentioned at the top of this when we were talking about the episode like how much how well this episode does with building tension. I mean, and there are a, a number of instances of that there. Mm-hmm. You know, there is the the scene with Bobby Terry and Flag in the penthouse is a good tension building oh, scene. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I will freely admit I let out evil chuckles during that scene. <laughs> a little bit, yep. <laughs> Probably that I shouldn't have, but I did. 
Um, the the mother Abigail Randall flag in the woods is a great tension building scene. Tom Cullen escaping from New Vegas is a great tension building yes, scene. Yes, yes. You had all these tension building scenes, like the Franny in the basement, the bomb. Like there are all these tension building scenes that they they do so well in this episode that they had another opportunity to give us a yet another great tension building scene. And I get that they attempted it with the whole noises outside of the motel and the judge sitting in the bed with the gun. That kind of built a little bit of tension, but it didn't give us a payoff. It didn't follow through. No. 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 So I, 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 I kind of have a little bit of issue with, with that. Well, I do too. And I'm glad that you mentioned it and I'm glad that you agree uh, because I, I was disappointed too. I thought, you know, we didn't get a lot of the judge to begin with. So why are we supposed to care about her? We don't even know Mm. that we're supposed to care about her. If you haven't seen the 94 series, if you haven't read the book, then, you know, you don't, you don't think the judge. And I mean, there's so many characters that a lot of people are side characters, but they're still important characters. And judge Ferris was one of those. She wasn't, or in the book and in the series, it was a, a male character. Judge the judge um, was a male, and in the series, mm-hmm. they changed to female. So, in case anyone's confused, but um, you know, in the in the book, the character was a bigger character. At least it had more um, backstory. You cared about them and cared about what happened to them a little bit, even though they were a side character. They were important because they were one of the spies that was that was sent, and you know, you you cared about what happened to them, and you just almost really don't i mean i feel bad for anyone that has that we've lost so far but it's like it just doesn't have that dramatic impact and and nick is also part of my number two that i'm gonna lump into with with the judge i feel like they they didn't do nick enough justice you know i know we've had some episodes with nick we've had some interaction with nick we know nick is a really good guy he has a really good heart we know mother abigail chose him to be her right hand and her voice and randall flag also chose him to be his right hand and we know which way that he went so we we got a little bit with nick but i feel like you know his death in this episode also did not quite have the impact that it should have. I mean, I felt bad. Um, I I was like, Oh my gosh, no, Nick, please get the hell out of that house. You know? And he's the one that he's, he's not hearing what everything's about. You know, he knows that mother Abigail has been found, but he doesn't hear any of the, the ruckus outside. He doesn't, he kind of hangs back after everybody's kind of walking out of the house when they find out mother Abigail was found and ends up, you know, dying in this explosion, and it just did not have the impact that it should have. And I, I, I go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and it just it left me disappointed that we had two, you know, what should have been dramatic deaths and impactful deaths in in the middle of the story where we are, and it, it just didn't meet that for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, I actually think. Uh, the 94 series did it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it built the tension a little bit more. I mean, there was, you know, in in this one, in, in this series, Tom, or uh, Nick finds the bomb in the piano, which I correctly predicted last week, <laughs> yeah. was where the bomb was going to end up. Yep. And the moment Nadine said, like, I have the perfect place to hide it, and I'm like, yeah, I was right. Um <laughs> Not that I'm excited that I was right about where they planted a bomb, but it's always good, nice like, to nice to be, feel validated. Yeah, I I made the prediction correctly, uh, but yeah, I mean, like in the '94 series, we get Nick kind of it, Nick's death in the '94 felt more like a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. In this one, it felt like kind of just like a, a consequence 
of the bomb going off. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, because I, I like I remember distinctly Rob Lowe's character of of Nick grabbing the bomb and running with it to get it away from people. It was a sacrifice. And this one, Nick just opens the piano, sees it, and instead of running, which he had the time to do, he just kind of stares up as in like he made peace with it. Which, again, is another acceptable ending for Nick's character if he made peace with the fact that he was he was dying in that moment. But it didn't... It just didn't have the same impact to me i agree with you Mm -mm. it didn't have the same impact no yeah i was curious about that i was like well he's does he not know what he's seeing uh why is he not trying to i don't know that he would have made it you know if he had been like oh shit that's you know i'm not sure what that is but i don't like the looks of it i'm getting the hell out of here i don't know if he would have made it or not but um or if he would have tried to look around to see if you know he needed to shove anyone out of the way maybe someone was still making their way out of the house or something you know and and that would have had more of an impact you know the way that he just looks up like it seems like they tried to make it almost like a sacrifice but it fell flat it wasn't the same i'm also kind of curious how he knew the bomb was in there because in the 94 rob lowe goes searching for it his version of nick goes searching for the bomb because he's aware there's a bomb in there Mm-hmm. And he goes to find it so that he could take it away from people. In this one, you made the point that he can't hear the ruckus that's going on outside. He's not looking outside to see everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. So what made him look in the piano? Like there was nothing that, I mean, we got him playing with the keys earlier in in the story. Yeah. So So I could see if maybe as he's walking outside, he's running his hand along the keys and that would give him an indication there's something different about the piano, but they didn't do that. So what made Nick even look in the piano in the first place? Do you, I, I don't know if it's something I missed. I'd, this, I don't think it's something that you missed, but I'm just speculating here. So we know when he's first standing at the piano earlier in the episode and he's kind of playing with the keys, he can't hear it. But he can feel it. He can feel it, yes. So I wonder if when the bomb was placed in the piano, that if it, and look, I don't know the parts of a a freaking piano, okay? But the, the, the mechanical components on the inside, when you're pressing the keys and it's moving them on the inside of the piano, I wonder if the bomb sitting on top of, on top of those components and and things that make up the piano that when you're pressing the keys that when you touch the keys does it feel different well it would and that's why i mentioned if we got him running his fingers along the keys as he was walking out that would make him realize there was something with the piano well did he touch it i don't think he i don't think he touched it it. i don't think he did i I thought maybe he touched it not not ran his fingers across but maybe at least pressed some keys and maybe I'm making that up in my head or something because other than that if he didn't touch any of the keys and couldn't feel the difference because clearly when I mean and you know when when you've lost one or more of your senses as Nick has he can't hear and he can't um, speak um, so he has to go by his other senses and you know they say that your other senses are heightened when you lose um, one of them uh, that he would his sense of have you know his feelings and his sense of touch would be strong um 
So that's what I thought. I thought maybe he had touched a couple of the keys on his way out and it felt different. So he lifts up the the I'm, top of the piano. I'm looking at the scene right now uh-huh. as we're talking about it. I have it playing. He never touches the piano. So why does he lift it up then? That makes it that then that makes even less sense to me because I was hoping that maybe he had stood in front of it, touched the keys, felt something different, and then lifted it up. To see, That's like, why I mean. does it feel different and, than it did before? And he senses, as I'm watching the scene, he senses there's something wrong with the piano before Franny even comes in running, there's a bomb. So there's no panic even outside yet. So the only thing I can say is that it's, it, the only thing I can think of is that it's a sense that he had. Well, and I mean, we know that Nick is, he seems a little bit more sensitive than some of the others in the group. And, you know, even... I think in the 94 series, they explored it a little bit more that they all or most of them have a bit of a link to each other, like a psychological or even a psychic kind of link. A like they can shine, feel. as we might call it. Yes, a shine. <laughs> Let's say shine a few more times. I think we got counted on that and how many times we said that in that um, other episode of ours. Um, it was a lot. But yeah, I think. We've talked about that. That's the theory that all of them kind of have the shine to some extent that maybe it's something that he felt then. And but but if that's the way that they're going, they still didn't do a very good job no. with you know him having that feeling. I, I don't think know. we're I think we're just kind of met, led to believe that Nick just had a sense that there was something off. Uh, when he walked past the piano, because otherwise I really can't explain how he knew. Yeah, I can't either. Like I said, had he like run his hand along the keys as he walked out, he could feel the keys hitting differently, which would give him an inclination, okay, there's something in the piano. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check it out. But when I rewatched it again, as we were talking about it, he never even touches the piano. Not the top, not the keys, nothing. He walks past it, he stops, he gets a sense, he turns around, and he looks. Hmm. So, and again, and it's before Franny even reveals to Stu, mm-hmm. there's a bomb. So, it would, it, to me, the only explanation would be he sensed it. Well, they didn't do a very good job of that either, because I feel like we're having to kind of speculate as, as to that, and um, it wasn't clear. So. We're not doing a great job of, of of showing how much we liked this episode. I know we were we were all over it in the beginning, and now we're sitting here like, oh well, shit that that didn't work for me. The 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 good outweighed the things that I felt were bad. So, Very much so. Yeah. So that that was my, my little nitpick too. Um, was was Judge Ferris and not getting to see. You know what happened to her. You know Nick's death should have been more impactful, and it it wasn't. Um, so yeah, and it's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah, I get it though. I yeah. I complete. I'm with you on that. Well, that was my number two. Also, did you have anything else you want to say about about that point uh, or about the judge and, and and Nick? No, I think we pretty much covered um, most of what I had to say about that. Cool. Well, then what is your number one? I can't believe I'm about to say these words. <laughs> my number one is Harold. <laughs> my too. Oh, my God. Like, look, We did not share notes at all. <laughs> we don't share notes before we, talk, before we record. This is I purely know. coincidental. I thought I was going to be done talking about Harold, but here we are. 
Yeah. I wanted to be done talking about Harold. Mm -hmm. And again, like my prediction about the dam, I take it back. This episode did something for me that the rest of these episodes have never done. It made me feel for Harold. I so we get that whole speech with him giving it with him giving that speech to Franny. That's the most real Harold has been this entire series. Yeah. Like I really as I mean as as bad of a character as he is, I felt for him. Like I felt for the first time this like I thought he was nothing but like a sniveling little I didn't get my own way, so I'm going to burn the world down. And he really still kind of is that person. Yeah, I think so. But the conversation with Franny like by the end of that conversation, I understood him. For the first time this series, I understood Harold. Mm-hmm. And I I just want to applaud Owen Teague for not just his performance of Harold this series, but this particular performance. Yeah. Man, it stood out. And like I said, I wanted to be done talking about Harold. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was ready to move on too, <laughs> but this and, was a different. This was a standout episode, though. And the, and as I'm making my notes, I'm like, I can't believe Harold's going to be my number one. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I don't regret it. I I, I think this was a standout performance from Owen in this episode. And like I said, I I really can't say anything else other than I, for the this is the most real Harold has been all season. And I, for the first time, I I came out of this understanding Harold's character. Yeah, I, I did too. And man, I think his performance of Harold, I, I love it way more than I do the 94 series with Corin Nemec. I... I'm all in on... So much more. On, on Harold in this series than I am, you know, the 94 series. I, I'm not sure about the book yet. That that We'll, we'll see when we, when we read it, but... I don't, and I don't know. I, I I understand exactly what you're saying about Harold. I don't know if I felt for him. I understood him a little bit more, but I don't know if I felt sympathy for how he is. And I certainly don't think it. And I know you didn't say this. So I don't, I'm not putting words into your mouth, but I don't. It. I don't think justifies his actions by any means. Oh no, either. not at all. And um, and I'm not saying. No, 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 no. I, I I justify his actions. Right. I'm not saying. Yeah. I completely understand why you blew up the building. Like, I, <laughs> right. It's still wrong, and he right. should not have done it. Right. And I, I wasn't I just, putting. And yeah, I know. I know yeah. you didn't say that. So I just want to make sure. I, I I'm not saying. I'm not putting those words into your mouth or anything like that. Um. But I I definitely do understand him a little bit more. I seeing where he's coming from. I don't think it makes it for me doesn't make him sympathetic, but I'm like, okay, I see you now, Harold, and 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 you make more sense to me now. You're not just a sniveling, you know, brat that is pissed because, you know, the world didn't treat him right and he thought he was gonna have all of his his just desserts um and he didn't get his way and he didn't get the girl that he wants and so now he just wants to you know, like I said, see the world burn. Um, there's a little bit more to it than that in this episode. On the other side of that, though, I don't know if it was because of Owen's performance in this or, you know, as real as, as Harold has been, you know, as I mentioned, this is the most real he's been all season. On the other side of that, I kind of got a little annoyed at Franny during that. 
Mm. Because she's talking about how like that you're wrong. Everybody always cared for you. I'm like, that's not exactly true. You've been doing so much shit behind his back. Uh, like and and you really have been kind of against him like you haven't been on his side this whole time yeah so i'm like i i kind of had issue with franny a little bit yeah because i'm thinking i'm like i'm like no you're kind of lying there to save your own ass at this point which i totally get i'd be doing the same exact thing (laughs) in that situation yeah um but what you're saying is not exactly true Mm mm-hmm yeah. So I mean, it's a it's a weird dynamic that in this scene, I I understood Harold and was mad at Franny. It yeah. But, he this this one we, definitely brought it around for me too. This episode should have been the other way around. Mm. Should have been pissed at at Harold, which I still was because shit, he he blew up the the, the building. Yeah. Um, and he and he killed Nick, but I, like, and I should have been sympathetic to Franny, but I was kind of the other way. And I I liked some of the I mean and and even the scene that we had it was very short where Harold is all teed up to shoot Stu in the head mm-hmm. you know and and you know he's right there and that's what he wants to do and yet he cannot pull that trigger and and I don't see that so much as a crisis of conscience for Harold I see it more as a moment of fear you know Harold absolutely yeah Harold you know, rejected writer, master manipulator. He just is not capable of following through on this act of shooting Stu. He's a coward. And the narrative that he's constructed for himself is delusional. And his behaviors are erratic and almost childlike um, a lot of times. And I love that scene with him and Franny in the basement. I don't believe that it's in the book, and I don't remember seeing that in the 94 series as, as, as well. Um, but it works really well because now we really, really see how dangerous Harold really is. I mean, this is a, a the line for me was drawn here between Harold being a guy just pining over a, a woman who doesn't love him back and his, his, his real plans for destruction. Like, he's carrying this out. And... You know, he rants about people that rejected him, like literal rejections from, you know, remember when he's putting up all those rejections on his wall, you know, as mm-hmm. he's submitting his his work, you know, and he's getting all these rejections. So he's got, you know, literal rejections and also those feelings that Franny has rejected from him. And he thought that, you know, Captain Trips was his, you know, this is this is going to be me. This is my chance to, you know fulfill this narrative that he sees himself in um but all he gets is more rejection and more ridicule and so i don't know um this was this was good and i think that honestly this the bomb when he set it off wasn't really so much for flag as it was for himself well i mean you you mentioned the whole scene with him having the gun pointed at Stu, and it really it really showed you you hit the nail on the head when you called him a coward. I mean, it's one thing to kill people from afar, mm-hmm. but it's something else to do it where the blood will literally be on your hands. Yep. You know, to it's one thing to to set off a bomb from afar where all you're seeing is the explosion. Whereas if he killed Stu right then and there, he like th- that's literally blood on his hands mm-hmm. because 
he's witnessing his actions. Yep. You know, so it's, I, I, I it is, it's a cowardly move. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily moments of hesitation because of conscience. I think he's just afraid to do the action himself. Yep. I, even when he sets off the bomb, like it's Nadine that pushes the button. Yeah. He can't, he can't push the button alone. Mm-hmm. He needs Nadine to push the button with him. I mean, it comes across as a gesture like we did this together. Right, they're in it together. together. Yeah, right. But again, I think it's also the fact that he couldn't do it alone. Mm -hmm. He needed Nadine to push that button with him so that he didn't share the guilt by himself. I agree. Uh, In regards to that scene, um, there's a very interesting dynamic and correlation I put together. And it could just be me. Um with uh, Nadine and Harold pushing the button to set off the bomb and where they do it Mm -hmm. from. It's a spot that they knew was going to become a drive-in at some point where they were going to watch movies. Mm -hmm. So it's a spot where people would watch creations come to life on screen. This is what they did. Mm. They watched their creation. Oh, come to life. That's a good point. Yeah. So this was the way of watching something. This was the spot they chose to watch something they created actually happen in front of them. That's a really so, good point. Ugh, they kind of uh, sullied it. Oh, yeah. Sullied it with violence. It's supposed to be a happy well, place not- with movies and fun and... Well, it was never going to be that anyway. Maybe not, but the the thought was nice. Yeah, not with um. Oh God, what's the uh, the character that was killed off? Teddy. Uh, Teddy. Yeah, with Teddy gone, I mean that was Teddy's vision. Mm-hmm. So with Teddy gone, I don't know if it was ever going to happen. So, but still, I, I thought that was a really interesting correlation that they that was where they sat to witness everything happen. Yep, I agree. I agree. Yeah, we finally got that moment. We kept talking about it, and we were, we were talking about it without trying to talk about it. Um, but yeah, we finally got it. Yeah. Be interesting to see what happens next and the fallout uh, from it. So was that your number one as well, or do you still have more to talk about on your number one? No, that was my number one, was, was okay. Harold and Harold and Franny. And so, yeah. Um. So then I, I guess we just have notes. Notes, yes. Uh, to talk about. Um, I'll let you kick it off this time. Okay, okay. Well, let's see. What have I got for notes? So we, we didn't talk yet about Mother Abigail. Um, Mother Abigail disappeared in the last episode. And in this episode, we, we see her. She's on her journey. She's venturing out doing like her 40 days and 40 nights, you know, mm-hmm. Um and Flag even brings that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, you know, feeling like God has stopped speaking to her and she, you know, as like in a biblical sense needs to go out and, you know, go on this journey and find out, you know, what God wants her to do next. And, you know, and she feels like she's done something wrong, you know, that God has stopped speaking to her. So she's on this journey, um, which she's 106 years old does not seem feasible at all, but... And then, yeah, she runs I, into Flag, um, and they have a conversation. We haven't really seen that interaction between them yet, so I th- thought that was yeah. interesting. 
I, I, there's a very interesting line that's spoken in that speech by Flag too, which I, 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 the first time I heard it, I was like, ooh, I'm like, there could be some deeper implication there. <laughs> um, you know, when he's talking to Mother Abigail about the 40 days, 40 nights, you're trying to communicate, you're trying to get him to speak to you again. Mm-hmm. Or, and he even says, like, he's, he's not speaking to you anymore. He says to Mother Abigail, you and I both know he's given up on this world. Which kind of gives the deeper implication there are multiple worlds, which dives even back into Dark Tower. Oh, now, yeah, we're going to be getting into how everything's connected and all the different worlds and how they're all split. And yeah, that's that's a really good pick up there. It's, it's a yeah. connection to him, to the Dark Tower, in which there is another Dark Tower connection <laughs> in this episode as an Easter egg. Yeah. Um, but I wait till I get to my notes to bring that yes. up. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, Mother Abigail is on her journey. She does have a random with flag, which I thought was interesting. Um, it was kind of fun to see those two, um, you know, against each other. And then it was Joe that finds Mother Abigail. So we, we don't talk a lot about Joe. Um, he spoke in this episode. You know, he said, Mommy, da- Mommy Nadine is not like Nadine. Is that what he said? Not the Nadine same. Is not like, Nadine is not the same as Mommy Nadine. Yeah. Yeah. So he finally said something. Um, you know, he is a smart little boy and he has seen enough, um, you know, and he's trying to call that out. And then he, as they're watching, and I don't know what freaking movie they had playing for those kids. Time Bandits. Oh. That is Time Bandits by Terry Gilliam. It is a great movie. Seemed like the least inappropriate movie for kids. I don't know. I don't. I only caught parts of it, but I was like, I don't know what that is. But can they? Is are there no Disney movies or something that they could put on while they're having this vigil and keep the kids busy or something? I don't know. But he gets up during that movie and um, you know, he kind of hears Mother Abigail and finds her. So I don't. I mean, I, f- I feel like we've talked about Joe, like he's supposed to be pretty important, you know, and I don't know if this is the the role that he, the only role that he plays, but he's the one that finds her. And so she is found and she is alive. So we'll see what happens um, um, in the next episode, I'm sure. Um, I I want to say real quick, uh, if any of the listeners out there have never seen Time Bandits before, and this goes for you too, Rima. <laughs> Uh, it's it, it's a movie from like early '80s. I think it's like 1981. Okay. Um, it's directed by Terry Gilliam of Monty, Monty Python. Python. I know who he is. Yeah. And it's it's um, Sean Connery, Michael Palin, John Cleese, uh, Ian Holm, Shelley Duvall. It is it's it's a fantastic movie. Okay. Uh, that I highly encourage people to watch if they haven't. Well, if they've never seen. I it. like the people you named, but I, I I've never seen it, so I don't know. I'll have to check it out. But I'm curious why they chose that to show children. Um, you know, in, instead of being at the vigil. So I don't know. There had to be other choices. It. It's kind of like Bill and Ted before Bill and Ted. It's a it's a bunch of like elves who travel through time to steal treasure, hmm. and as they're doing it, they run into like Robin Hood and Napoleon, and it's it's fun. Is it kid it's appropriate though? It didn't that I that I don't remember because it's been over a decade. As I say, with with you're talking John Cleese and Terry Gilliam, not a lot of Monty Python stuff was that kid appropriate. So I don't know. I don't know if it was in that kind of nature or not. But it's it's PG, so I would assume mm. it's. It's 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 family appropriate. Okay, well, I'll have to but watch it, for I, myself and see. It 
It did make me smile, though, when I realized what they were watching. Interesting. All right. Um, more of my notes. Um, want to talk about Bobby Terry. Yes, uh, please. <laughs> finally, finally got Bobby Terry. Clifton Collins Jr., though, was so underused in this episode. I really enjoy him as an actor. I love watching him on screen, and I just didn't get enough of him. And I think that, as we were talking about earlier, the disservice um, of not getting um, Judge Ferris's death on screen, this would have been a great opportunity to also give us more of Clifton Collins Jr., Um, You know, because he's so great. And I think seeing that interaction, we would have gotten a little bit more from him because I could have used more. Um, Agreed. But highly agreed. I actually feel like we got in one episode, we got a more we got a we got more of of Bobby Terry than we did of Judge Ferris in the three episodes we've seen. I think we did. I think we did. Now, he got a hell of an introduction into the episode. A hell of an introduction. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's what they wanted to save it for, you know, this awesome introduction of Clifton, Clifton Collins Jr.'s Bobby Terry. Um so it was a hell of an introduction, but I would have really loved to have seen that interaction between uh, him and Judge Ferris. I I wonder I'm curious if they had it written and scripted and filmed, but that it for some reason it was cut, maybe for maybe. timing or something, because it really was just a disservice. Because I think that would have been great, great to see it play out. Um, but and then the whole interaction between Bobby Terry and Flag in the hotel cool. suite, <laughs> man, wasn't that I, awesome? I, I, I just remember watching that, and the moment he gives Flag the finger, I'm like, oh, you idiot. You poor, poor man. Well, You are a dead man. And when I thought it was funny when, you know, and I don't remember the line that was said, but everybody was kind of like, uh-oh, and they all kind of took a step back. Yep. You know, Julie and Lloyd and the other people that are with them, they're like, uh-oh, you just crossed a line, and we don't want to get any, like, blood splatter on us we are backing up because we know shit's getting ready to hit the fan so i thought that was really funny and then in in just the next scene he flips him off and i was like he clearly knows nothing um about flag at all and thinking that he can get away from him big mistake i mean we 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 knew what bobby terry's fate was before we even watched this but it's still like Again, it, it it goes to the tension that they built in this. That even though we knew mm-hmm. he was a dead man already, when he flipped them off during that scene, I'm like, oh god, like why? Why did you do that? This is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, and then, it, and then it made me laugh too when he ran out of the hotel room and he used a wallet chain. I know. I was like a wallet <laughs> chain. He literally the took the chain. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm like, you could break them not being attached to a door. Why would you use them to hold the door shut? Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. Like not, you not a smart man. Not the best choice. Not the best choice at all. But a really great scene with him and Flag. Really great um, interaction. Feeble attempt to try to escape from Flag. But, I mean, it is... is as dumb as it was, knowing that he was not going to get away, I, I I did love the scene of the the doors busting open and Alexander Skarsgård, go, you know, just with his hands, like his thumbs in his pockets, strutting through those busted doors with like the smoke around him. <sighs> and the smile and the smiley face, the little button smiley face button. To that evil look. <laughs> yes, the little evil grin great. and the eyes yep. squinting was perfect. Um yeah, I don't know why that was so hot to me, but it was. Um, I don't know. And yeah, then you think he's going to get away. He thinks he's safe. 
he is clearly not safe. And then Randall Flagg then just rips this guy apart. I mean, blood everywhere, hands, teeth, blood is all over the place. And then my absolute favorite scene so far uh-huh. with I knew it. Yeah, everybody knows. I'm I'm so transparent. <laughs> I have no secrets or mystery anymore, but when he steps out of the elevator covered in blood, I just I think I melted into a puddle. Um, <laughs> of course you did. It's so inappropriate, and I don't know why I am the way I am, but <laughs> that <laughs> you know, look, um, Alexander Skarsgård, and I, I know I've mentioned it before, so I'm probably a little repetitive. Was in the series True Blood. He played Eric mm-hmm. Northman, and I, I won't give any spoilers. I know the show's you know kind of been out for a little while, but in case you haven't watched it, he he did play a vampire. Um, and it's not the first time he's been covered in blood. And it was just as hot then as it is now. And uh, I don't know why I'm so messed up, but it really did it for me. But he was so polite about it. He's like, you know, my sincerest apologies to housekeeping, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he's so freaking charming, even as he's just completely slaughtered some guy. And I mean, he there were teeth marks. That was very disturbing. I mean, he eviscerated. He totally, I mean, his guts were ripped out. He had his throat ripped out. You could see the teeth marks. And this is what what I thought was kind of interesting because we've talked about Vegas and how they've kind of taken this different take with Vegas where it seems very out of control. Like, just do whatever the hell you want to do. There are no rules. Where the 94 Vegas and the book Vegas, they have rules. It's very strict. It's very... um, like, there is structure and there is order. You know, there's no drugs. Um, I think here... It's way, it, and it's it's that way in the book as well. Right, right. It's yeah, yeah, that way in the book, and it was in the 94 series. And in this, they've taken a very different approach to, to Vegas. And I know a lot of people have questioned that. But I think here is where we finally kind of see that, you know, watching Flag murder someone so violently because he didn't follow a direct order shows that Flag doesn't ultimately condone chaos that you can't just do what you want there he is very much in charge and i think that the way that they chose to show this shows a very good point of view you know of of that there is some control here that it's not all what you see he's lenient but there are lines yeah okay i get that Mm mm-hmm I think that that's, I, that's where they're finally that. showing that because I, I think there's been some contention that, you know, there's not supposed to be all this chaos. And, it, and, and that's I think I've alluded to that. I think I talked about that on one of the other episodes when we, when we first got Vegas. I'm like, I'm willing to bet that this is this is what you see. This is the surface. This is the outer surface of Vegas. That's not the real Vegas that we're seeing. There is, I think, true structure. There is order and flag truly does rule. And he's very much in charge. And it's not just a you know, do what you want um, kind of environment. So I think, I think that's where we're getting here. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I, because I mean, when we do see new Vegas in this episode, it is a, a shot from outside of the hotel. Um, And there's nothing Mm -hmm. happening outside of that hotel. It is a dead city outside of that hotel. I think what we know of new Vegas is literally contained within this one hotel, at least from what they've shown us so far. Um, there's nothing happening out on the street because when they show us that sc- that shot of Vegas, there's nothing. There's Everybody's nothing. Everybody's sleeping. You sleep during the daytime so, at Vegas, uh, but it wasn't during the day. It was at night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, you could be right. You could be right. I think. 
I think maybe this could be a point where they kind of realize there has to be structure. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think you're right to a degree. I think there definitely is structure because when we see Tom Cullen arrive, there is a system in place for where people are put mm-hmm. and things like that. So there is definitely some kind of system. I don't think there is law and order. That's that's where I'm in a little bit of a disagreement because I don't think they've even they I don't think they've shown us that yet because even we haven't even seen Bobby the crucifixions Terry, yet. Well, because Bobby Terry was so nonchalant in his actions because he kind of felt what he didn't do anything wrong. He was given an order. He didn't follow it. And he thought everything was fine. It wasn't until he faced Randall Flagg that he realized, oh, shit, I did something wrong. I'm going to run for my life Mm -hmm. because I don't think there is law and order yet. I don't. I don't think there is a, an order established. I think there's a system. I don't think there's order. That makes sense. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We're, this not the end of New Vegas. No, so. thank God. Um, not not by far. Thank God. Give me more. Um, I <laughs> I liked Tom's way of figuring out what the note said. I loved it. Wasn't that great? It was so smart. Yeah, and it it shows. I mean, again, I've applauded him time and time again, and I'm going to do it again. Brad William Hinky man, is killing this performance of Tom Cullen. Yeah, I like it. It's, it's so well done. I mean, having him figure out run, you know, from the button, from from asking Ratwoman to what is this word, um, you know, he's it, it shows that even though he is challenged, he is still a smart person. Mm-hmm. And I love the way they are portraying that. Like, it is, again, it's a small element to this episode, but it's another reason why I loved this episode so much. I'm so glad you brought it up, because if you didn't, (laughs) I was going to. Well, I loved it. I loved loved how he figured out what the note said and how he figured out how to get out of Vegas. And boy, was I scared shitless when, because during that scene... After Flag is killed, yeah, after he's killed Bobby Terry, and that was tension, because that, that scene with Bobby Terry and Flag in the in the hotel suite was tension, or in the penthouse was tension, and then when he finds out who that third spy is, like when he hears that, when he hears, um, was it Rat Girl? When he puts it, when he puts it together. Yeah, because yeah. he's like, all I see is Moon, you know, he can't figure it out, he can't, he, he felt you know, Dana, he felt Judge Ferris even before they got there and he he was able to single them out and he knew them but he could not figure out Tom and he's like, all I can see is Moon and then he makes that connection as she's calling for him. You know, that Mr. Moon you know, janitor guy he's the best janitor that we've got and it clicks with him and I was like oh shit, get out and it was so smart of how he figured out how to get out Um, I love that, so I loved all of that with Tom but I mean, like even even not being able to read, but recognizing what letters are yeah. and realizing this is the same as this mm-hmm. and being smart enough to get somebody to, to read it for him. Like, what is this word? Uh, you know, without showing anybody the note like it's again, it shows how smart of a character Tom is. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And I just I love it so much. It's so well done. Yep, I thought they did a great, great job with it. Um. And then the last note that I had, um, I, I thought it was funny when Ray was cursing out Glenn as she's walking out. And she calls him a wasi chew motherfucker. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I was like, all right, I, I, she gave a perfect dressing down. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I didn't like so much. Maybe it was directed at Glenn because I love Glenn, love Greg Kinnear, but totally get w- where she was coming from and the emotion that she felt in that, in that moment. And I thought, okay, what does that mean? So I looked it up um, because she is, um, you know, um, Native American, and it it actually means Wasichu means non-Indian. Um, it's the <laughs> yeah. So it's ba- it's basically um, an American. She called Sue. She called him. She called him a white guy. Basically called him a white guy. Yeah, essentially. So that's it's it's. The word is based, it is a real word, and is um, based both in Lakota and Dakota Sioux um, language is is where it comes from. Um, And yeah, it just essentially means non-Indian, but it's literal literal meaning as someone with special powers. Um, But of course, as the American and Sioux-like relations went downhill, the word became to be viewed more negatively. So it kind of took on like a, like you said, called him a white guy. so I love that. I thought that was great. And I was like, I just, I, I, I don't know. I'm a fan of cursing. I've got a potty mouth myself. I love that. thought it was great. So um, that's, and that's all of my notes. So I, I bet you have a lot more. Um, no, you no? actually covered a lot of Oh, mine. okay. Um, so I really don't have many. I have the, the other Dark Tower uh, connection that I made to this okay. one. Um, and the only other notes I have are like as as sad as it sounds is when the bomb went off and Nick died. Uh, the first thing that came to my head is is Glenn okay? <laughs> Please let Glenn be okay. How's, how's how's Glenn? And Ray, how dare you talk to Glenn like that? That's that's precious Kinnear, man. No. You can't talk to Greg Kinnear <laughs> that way. I didn't really think is Glenn okay cuz <laughs> no. I know he's okay. I know he becomes one of the four, so I, I knew he survived. Um, but it really only leads me to that final, that connection to the Dark Tower. All right. Um, it's very easily missed. Mm-hmm. However, in the elevator, when Randall Flagg is eviscerating Bobby Terry, there is a song that is playing. The song is by the band King Crimson. <gasps> yes! It is the... And it is the and the name of the song is in the name of the court, in the or in the court of the Crimson King. Oh, yep. There's which our is connection. What he is called in the Dark Tower. They have given us so many hints in this series that this world is connected to the Dark Tower. Yes, they have. Uh, and these are two big ones in this episode. The, in the court of the Crimson King is is huge. I it mean, is it huge. Is literally, what he is called in the Dark Tower. It is his name in the Dark Tower. Um, well, not just in the well, Dark Tower, but in other in Eyes of the Dragon. Um, but, he's called the Crimson King in a, in a couple different senses. But wait, I wanted before. Well, I didn't. Greg correct us on that though. Um, Randall Flag, I thought, and I'm gonna have to. And this is I'm gonna show my ignorance here again. I know I'm supposed to know this stuff, but it is so confusing. R- Randall Flag, I thought was the servant of the Crimson King, not the. Crimson I think you're King. right. I I I think I think you are right. Um, it's not his name, so I I am staying. I I am. I am corrected. The Crimson King is the main antagonist of the Dark Tower. 
Um, he's a yeah. He's a primary antagonist in King's Eight Volume yes. Dark Tower series, um, as well as um, Insomnia, Black House. Um, so he's in those as well. Um, Eyes of the Dragon. Randall Flagg is an associate. Yes, it's not Randall Flagg, but it is. It is, it is still a, connection a connection to, to the, the world, Tower. to the yes. to the Dark Tower, to all the various worlds that the Crimson King and Randall Flagg are associated with. Yes. yes. Yes, I did read that. I just I didn't have it in my notes, but I do remember hearing. I didn't know that song, but I did read it as I was doing some of my research. So I'm glad that you you included that in your notes because I did not. That is a huge Easter egg. Yes, it is. So, and it's it's and like I said, it's very easily missed. It is very easily if you, missed mm-hmm. if you're not listening to what's going on in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and details but, matter. And and anytime you're watching anything related to Stephen King, um, those details matter. Yep. Good pickup. And that song is literally only playing in the elevator. Mm-hmm. It's not playing in the hallway when Randall Flagg is chasing Bobby Terry. And when the doors of the elevator open, it's not playing. It's only during the scene when they're in the elevator. Which I think is awesome. It's just yeah. There's just something powerful about that. I don't know. I love it. And I dig it. And I love that. Like I said, I would love so much if they decided to have Alexander Skarsgård as like just anytime they're going to make something... Um, you know, with Randall Flagg in one of the adaptations, have him do it. I'm, I'm all for it. I think it I, needs to I want to see. I want to see more connections between stories. I like. I want to see. I want to see more Stephen King adaptations where we're seeing the this the same characters. Yeah, and me I too. and I think Alexander Skarsgård playing Randall Flagg in a number of these different properties is the perfect way to connect them. I think he does a fantastic freaking job. I think he's a perfect Randall Flagg. He's doing an amazing job. I don't think we get enough of him, but I think he pulls it off beautifully. I know that's meaningless and I, and coming from me. And I made well, I made your day when I showed you a trailer that he's in yeah i didn't know that he was in i mean i've been so stoked for the new um you know godzilla versus king kong because i'm a huge fan of godzilla i'm a huge fan of that whole series uh i'm kind of nervous about how that movie's going to turn out but i didn't know alexander skarsgård was in that i didn't either i did not know and i'm like i felt so stupid because i'm like i feel like i follow this stuff so closely that i had no clue that that's what he was working on or what he had coming out next so when you Show when you pointed that out. I mean, I was going to watch the trailer anyway because, like I said, love the series. But you know, um, when you're like, you know, your favorite person is in there, and I thought this could go either way. This could be someone I hate, or it could, <laughs> or it could be someone that I like. <laughs> and it was someone yeah. I like. Amber Heard is in Godzilla versus. <laughs> I thought, hmm, which way has Ben going with this? This is what I was thinking as I was pulling the trailer up. I was like, which way is he going with this? <laughs> but it was nope, it was I- in a good way. <laughs> I was being legit when it I was when legit. I your favorite person. Thought you could be teasing me. Um, yep. But yeah, that I'm super excited to see him in that. He needs to be in more things for sure. Because um, he doesn't, I don't think, get enough credit for some of the... Uh, he did get some really great props when he was in Big Little Lies season one. He, he got some good awards and some recognition. So I, I'm glad for that because um, he needs, needs, needs to be out there more. But anyway, mm. that's a great great pickup i know like you said that was easily missed so i i i love that they're they're touching on that um yeah. you know and kind of recognizing that there are other worlds out there there are other worlds than these isn't that from dark tower um and and i can't really 
Can't believe I'm going to say this. <laughs> Even though I've said it I've said it before, so it's not really a big deal. I can't I can't give you shit for liking Alexander Skarsgård with blood all over him. Because I'm also the same person that admitted I thought Amber Heard was hot as a zombie. Yeah. And and zombie like. She was. So I, yeah. I can't I can't talk. It's I have the same sickness. It okay. Just... Well, good. We're we're infected with the same thing then, I guess. Yes. <laughs> In fact, I, I, I know she's okay. dead and she's a zombie, but she was still hot. She was that still was... hot. She was really hot as a zombie. Yeah. I, I give her that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. I was doing a whole... It just got me in the mood to watch. I, I did a, a lot of True Blood watching over this weekend. Um, so that's, I'm just, that's where I'm at. Um, all right. Set all of your notes. That's all of my notes. All right. I think we covered that pretty well. Um, no news this week. So we're going to skip over into our listener feedback. We got a lot of great listener feedback. There's lots of Facebook feedback. There's an email and we've got a whole slew of voicemails to get through. So let's go ahead. Yay. and get, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm digging it. People have got some things to say about this series and uh, I love it. Uh, keep it coming. I'm really, I, I'll be honest. We haven't listened to any of the voicemails. No, we haven't read any of the feedback. Mm-mm. I don't know if you have. I haven't. No, I don't. Um, and some of my reactions in the past couple episodes, when you hear me laughing, it's because I've never read them. I'm kind of nervous because I know how much we liked this episode. Uh huh. I'm kind of nervous to find out if other people liked it as well or if people hated it. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't read it either. I when 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 we're reading it on on air uh, as we're recording is you know that's it for me. That's my reaction because me too. I don't read and- it. You you handle the Facebook stuff. I I tend to stay off the Strange Indeed mm-hmm. Facebook page because I don't want to read mm-hmm. the feedback until we've we've read it on the on the podcast. So I, I grab it and I go. I don't read it. So. I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm excited that there is a good amount. <laughs> I know because it could go either way, right? Either yes. either love it or you hate it. So, well, with that being said, I'll go ahead and take this first one that we got from uh, Maureen Favo. Uh, she okay. says. Great recovery from episode five. Episode, yeah, episode five (laughs) may have been worth it for Mr. Moon's unique escape alone. That is exactly how I picture Trash Can Man from the book. Oh, well, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, She goes on, loved photography angles used with field tanks and explosions with striking images. Would love to know whether or how people who this series is first experienced with the stand feel about Nick. I feel like he and his storyline, um, Tom, Ralph, Ray, and many others were shortchanged in this series. Um, I was and am good with nonlinear storytelling. It's the reduced emphasis on characters, which all seems to have gone to Harold. Let's hope the next few episodes have more recoveries um, that make it worth it. P.S. Flags losing it at the end of this episode is similar to his tantrum after Dana killed herself in the book. Without giving him info, she beat him at, at his game. Hope that fixes Ben's disagreement or lack of understanding. Did I have a, a lack of understanding on that um, last week? I don't know. I don't remember if I did. If I did, I'm, I, I forgot. About Dana when she killed herself? So maybe something about that? I don't maybe, honestly remember yeah. what, what we said. 
I, I record and I, I completely forget what I say. So somebody's like, Remy, you were wrong. And I'm like, well, I probably was, but I can't tell you what, because I totally forget what I say after I say it. So I, I record like two other podcasts every week. So I, <laughs> I, I know, tend to forget I'm, what I say, you know, by yeah, the time we get to the next week too. I, I, I would just have to re-listen and I hate listening to myself. So I don't know, guys, I'll just have to take your word for it. But thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Maureen. Um, appreciate your input. And it's good to get a little bit of your perspective since you've read the book. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, our next one comes from Lindsay Schlicht. Uh, wow, what a great episode that really moved things along. Yay! Uh, that opening scene was just crazy. The sound he makes reminds me of the wraiths in Lord of the Rings. That's a good oh, point. yeah. Uh, when the explosion happened, was he... <laughs> question mark? Yes, he was. Uh, that's exactly what he was doing. Uh, looked pretty dirty, LOL. Uh, not sure they could have found a better actor for this nutty of a role. He definitely goes full tilt in everything he does. Uh, I absolutely loved how Tom figured out what the note said without showing anyone the note. So smart. I'm so glad he was able to escape as well. I guess we shouldn't have worried about his ability to handle this. He did better than any of the other spies. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, it was cool to finally hear Joe speak. I wonder how long it will take Larry to figure out what he meant. Are we to assume the batteries in the walkie-talkie and the motorcycle were Nadine? What? Uh, trying to keep Larry from the explosion and protect him. Oh, I didn't think about that. We didn't talk about that, but yep. No, but that's a good point. That mm -hmm. probably was her trying to keep Larry away. It was, yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even put that together. Mm -hmm. uh, so sad about Nick. He felt like he had a lot more story in him. I am a little confused. I thought the bomb was in the package the tube. Uh, Nadine propped up by the piano, but it seemed like Nick opened it. Uh, the bomb was inside the piano. Did I miss something? Uh, no, I, I think she just had an opportunity to... Because don't forget, everybody left the house but Nick. Mm -hmm. So she pro And she was still walking, wandering around the house. So I'm sure she probably had some kind of... Um, there was probably a moment somewhere in there. Another thing we just didn't see on screen. Yeah. That probably would have been helpful. But yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Lindsay. We didn't talk about the interaction between Nadine and Larry. Um, I think she was the one that, that took out the batteries in his walkie-talkie and she disabled his motorcycle to keep him away from... She didn't want him to be there. He was supposed to be there because he's one of the council. You know, that was the goal was to, you know, Mother Abigail and, and the council members. Um, Harold decided to take out everyone at the vigil that showed up. Um, but yeah, Larry should have been there and she uh, did her best, I think, to keep him away. I think yeah. it was, I think it was totally Nadine that she had, I don't know if it was conscious, if she just cares about him and also when to keep Joe away too. She didn't want Joe to be there. She was like admonishing them for why would you have the, you know, she could have been legit in what she was saying, trying to keep the kids away from the vigil and not to like traumatize them anymore. Um, but also wanting to make sure that he wasn't there as well because she cares about them. So interesting um, side of Nadine there. Yeah, I never put that together that would, that that was her protecting Larry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks, Lindsay. Um, next one we have is from our friend Doug Fick. He says uh, he's writing in for episodes five and six. Uh, he says now we are getting somewhere slowly. First off, Harold, you are a pud whack creep. You deserved <laughs> zero handles from Nadine. However, handies. oh handies, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I need glasses. You you deserved zero handies from Nadine. That's 
That's true. Um, however, he is being portrayed amazingly by Owen Teague. The dinner scene at Stu and Franny's induced real cringes. However, I am getting mixed feelings on some of the character development, especially Nadine. On one hand, she is a cold-blooded killer when she shot Teddy, but now she has a conscience and wants Larry to free her from Flag. Then she plants the bomb, but wants Joe to be spared. Then does not appear to have any issues with detonating it. I'm assuming she may have a redemption arc. Dana offering or offing herself before Flag could find out where Tom Cullen is was badass. We could have used uh, some more of her, lingerie or not. She was interesting. <laughs> also, the judge. She got nowhere and then killed. Why was Harold going to shoot Stu on the search for Mother A when the plan was the bomb? How was he going to explain it? Maybe he wanted that one to be personal. I'm not sure what to think of Trash Can Man. They may have saved a couple bucks and got Bobcat Goldweight to play him. And perhaps he was already booked. I will wait to see how he plays out. Did you notice that he told Lloyd that he was going to die in the elevator? Yes, we did. Um, also, if you notice, when Nick was playing the piano, there was a thud on the keys foreshadowing the bomb uh, planted in there. The explosion with Nadine and Harold looking from a distance reminded me of when Cersei blew up the sept in Game of Thrones. Love the attention to detail, especially with Ratwoman and her nicotine-stained teeth. Let's keep her moving. I'm looking forward to a nice payoff in the final third. Oh my, sources tell me Bobcat Goldthwait is available for birthday parties, bar, um, bar mitzvahs, and the occasional Police Academy for a Citizens on Patrol watch party. <laughs> <laughs> I Look, I love Bobcat. He could not have pulled that role off. <laughs> he could not have pulled it. I off. think he's great. I love Bobcat. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our next one comes via email, and it's from our friend Laura Willie Swink. Uh, she says, hi, Rima and Ben. Still keeping with the series and finding it entertaining enough so far. I feel that I'd enjoy it more if I were not familiar with the 94 miniseries and the source material, because some of the changes in or lack of development with certain characters has me... Uh, a bit down on this series. I was so sad to see Nick die after so little character development. Plus, he dies feeling that he let down Mother Abigail and the community, whereas Nick is really the heart of the book version. Stu continues to be clueless with nothing to do because we never saw the progression of the relationship with Larry and Nadine. I don't truly feel Nadine's desire to save Larry's life while so willing to kill everyone else. I got more of that from one episode with Rita than I have with these two. And poor Judge Ferris, she gets no story whatsoever. Uh, agreed. Mm -hmm. uh, after about three lines of dialogue, she gets killed off screen, not even earning the valiant shoot-off death scene that she, he, got in the book or miniseries. At this point, Harold should have just become our protagonist. While I don't deny that Owen Teague is doing an amazing job, it's been at the expense of all the other characters. And I don't even know how I feel about Trash Can Man, who also comes in at the 11th hour with no character development. I'm feeling he wasn't worth the wait or the hype. On the good side, I loved Flag and Mother Abigail's confrontation. Flag is finally showing us his teeth, hee <laughs> hee, and truly feeling dangerous now. Tom has a bit more agency with his escape. Rather than just waiting for the full moon and leaving Vegas, he actually figures out what R-U-N spells and finds a clever way to get out of the city undetected. One other thing. In Colorado, there is no such thing as rain in November. We call it snow. We here call it snow. <laughs> Cheers, Laura. Uh, I can attest to that because I have been in Colorado at November in November and the weather gets crazy. I can only imagine. I, I've never been to Colorado. I, I flew into Colorado on Thanksgiving morning one year, and it was 70 degrees. 
I flew home on a Sunday and they were de-icing planes. Oh my gosh. It's, it gets, and we were sledding that morning before I left. Wow. It gets crazy in Colorado. Yikes. But I love Colorado. So Laura, if that's where you are, uh, I'm jealous. I would love to visit Colorado, see the mountains. I love the mountains and um, I hear the skiing is good. So I'd be down for that. Benny Slopes, of course. Um, um, but yeah, from the feedback we've gotten so far, it, everybody is pretty much in agreement that Owen Teague is killing this role. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's really doing an amazing job with this role, which we talked about earlier. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's really great feedback so far. Um, thank you, Laura, for your contribution. Always good to hear from you. Um, well, as I mentioned, we have a lot of calls this week. So let's go ahead and jump in to those. The first one that we have is from our friend Gemma. Hi, Rima and Ben. I just finished watching um, The Stand episode six, and I'm beyond devastated. Actually taking a moment to gather my thoughts. But I just finished reading the book last week. So when I got to the point in the book, what happened in the end of this episode, I screamed to the sky and cried and threw my book because I was, it made me, I was that upset. Um, I think in the book, you spent a lot more time with Nick. Um, his entire journey takes up, you know, like chapters because from where he was beat up in the town and then his whole meeting Tom and then getting to Boulder is, is a long part of the book. So you, you're really familiar with Nick and his inner monologue. And I think with the TV show, it's difficult for someone with his disability to like portray it on screen. So I don't think we spent enough time with Nick as we should have. So his death in the show might not be as impactful that it was for me in the book where I literally was crying. I I still feel completely beyond devastated. I, I just wanted him to get out of the house. I knew what was coming. I was like, Nick, go, just go. But you know, that wasn't going to happen. It was a few little changes with how it all went down as well with Franny already knowing about um, the bomb, which she didn't in the book. Um, I don't want to compare. I don't want to be one of those people who compares. I think they're like two different entities in the moment. So I'm trying not to be like one of those crazed book people because I've literally just read it. Um, I like the fact they bookended the TV show um with the trash can man explosion at the beginning to Harold's explosion at the end. It was nice. Yeah, you know, the episode was about fire. They made trash can man, I think, seem completely crazy, like nuts beyond anything that I imagined him to be. Because in the book, he's not, he's kind of, you know, obviously he's a pyromaniac, but he's not that crazy. He's just, you know, he meets somebody on the road, actually, who's crazier than him. But anyway, it's a whole different story. They're probably not going to go into it <clears throat> now. Um, and then with Randall Flagg, he kind of, he was just <laughs> reminds me of Eric Northman in the elevator with the, the guy he ripped to pieces. Because, you know, how can it not if you're a true blood fan, which I am. Um, yeah, and Tom, I was just very desperate for him to leave um, New Vegas the whole way through the episode. I'm like, Tom, just go. He just go, 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 go. It was, it was just like, oh, 
they're really and I, I like the way they built on that tension so I just wanted him to go and eventually he did so that's good um yeah and I'm just sad <laughs> I just really like Nick and you know I'm really enjoying the show it's just sad when they blow up your favorite character so that's my feedback for the week um I really enjoyed it I'm looking forward to the podcast and I'll see you soon thanks bye oh I'm sorry Gemma boy she took that really hard yeah I'm I, sorry I mean I get it Nick is a is a well beloved beloved character from this story so I get it but I mean as we mentioned a little bit earlier we just kind of felt a little short shifted on on his story yeah I mean Jimmy makes a good point you know and I know that he's featured a lot more in the book you get a lot more about Nick and uh, his story and it it's a bigger impact and we we didn't get that so yeah I think I would be more sad too had I had more of that bookstore if I had the book Nick in in my head you know as as we're going through this um so I don't know I feel for you Gemma thank you for giving us your thoughts and and she made a good point too about how they bookended it with explosions yeah I didn't even really pick up on that but that was a good pickup I didn't either yeah thank you for pointing that out all right um, on to our next one. Um, this next one is from Archmaster Rennie. Well, after the warm welcome I got from you for my voicemail last week to the podcast, I had to send you another one this week. So uh, I just wanted to point out what a great public service announcement this episode was. We learned never take your eye off your walkie-talkie. If you're having trouble with your gas fireplace, call on a pyromaniac to fix it for you. And in case of emergency, take the stairs, not the elevator. That was awesome. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Sound advice, all three. And, and completely appropriate coming from Archmaster Rennie. She's always so practical um, in, in her thoughts. And this was awesome. Thank you again so much for um, contributing again to feedback. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Take the stairs, not the elevator. <sighs> I may not get ripped apart, you know. I don't know. Might save you. And another takeaway, wallet chains are useless. Yeah. Not very helpful. No. At least not in that situation. All right. Uh, <laughs> so next one that we have is from our good friend Greg. Well, that was convenient. Rima got her nor Eric Northman covered in blood. Excuse me, Randall Flagg covered in blood. And unfortunately, we discovered that Randall could actually put two and two together and discovered that Mr. Moon was in fact Tom Cullen. Uh I was really, really scared. I thought that uh like I've read the book. I've watched the series. I know, quote-unquote, what happens. But you know, I was still super, super nervous. Um, and the other big note of note, uh, Zar Bumba was 50 megatons of dynamite, uh, or a nuclear blast um, with a the capacity of 50 tons of dynamite, um, or of TNT. And, like, that is, that's a little bit of overkill. Like, there aren't that many people in Boulder. Like, you could wipe out an entire... Probably the entirety of like Denver or a large city like that definitely wipe out Vegas uh, or at least the Strip. Um, 
anyway, uh, this is Greg, and uh, I really like this. Oh, and Ezra Miller, I thought, played a pyromaniac, like a fanatical pyromaniac, fantastically. Although the whole jerking off to fire thing, like, it's not my up my alley, but maybe it's up uh, some other people's. All right. Sorry, buddy. I'm talking. Okay. Well, uh, you guys enjoy podcasting, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. I it, I'm I'm so glad that everybody seems to be I mean some people are kind of on the fence about it still but for the most part most people seem to be pleased with Ezra Miller's performance. Yes. of Trash Can Man. So I'm uh I'm I'm excited about that too cuz like I said I think they killed it. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more. Me too. And I'm glad some people agree. Yeah. The performance yeah, I, I, I don't know if I exactly understand where they're going with the character yet, but you cannot knock the performance. He, they did a great job. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's it's always nice to know that you have so many friends who know you so well that when they see a bloody Alexander Skarsgård, they know it's it, they're they're instantly thinking about you. I and I I love that so much. My friends do know me so well. Um, apparently I, I, I have no mystery left and I am so transparent or maybe I talk about it too much. Maybe that's part of it too. Um, it's so nice to be thought of when you, when you see that and you think of me, thank you guys so much. That means a lot to me. Um, our next voicemail is from Autumn. Um, Autumn left us a very lengthy voicemail, um, that, unfortunately has um that we're going to be cutting down for time um so thank you autumn so much for this voicemail um let's see what she has to say hi this is autumn from alabama want to let you know i love this show i'd love to say long time first time but i have only been listening for about a month or two so love the show i want to talk about the latest episode the vigil to me this is the most religious and biblically um shown episode of the entire series and if this is the only thing that you post this is fine so i'll give it a little break i feel like the uh, dam is also going to be very significant in this but here's how i think it's going to be important I, from the beginning, have felt like this was a Noah's Ark scenario and the, the, um, where Noah and his family and the animals, two by two, um, were saved because of the sins of the world and God wiped it out with a giant flood and our rainbows are supposed to be a sign of a promise that he will not flood the earth again. I feel like it's still going to have the traditional bomb, blows everything up, fire, but I think, as in a biblical reference, the dam is going to break, wash over the city, wash over their sins. And I would love it if there was a rainbow. But I feel like the dam can be very important, and I think it's going to be used as well. But I think the bomb is still going to happen, the fire is still going to happen, but it is going to be an analogy for washing over the sins, as if now the people are no longer there. So those are just a few things. Um, also, what are those kids watching? Because it looks terrifying. And uh, I guess that's it. So I'm sorry I talked so long. Uh, feel free to cut out as much as you need. Y'all have a great night. Can't wait to hear more. Bye. Thank yeah, you. Th- thank you so much, Autumn. That, it was a, it was a great voicemail. There was so just, much good stuff. <laughs> there was a lot of great stuff in there that we that we just unfortunately just couldn't 
fit into time-wise uh, couldn't fit into it. But I, I definitely want to encourage Autumn to keep leaving us feedback. Yeah. Because she absolutely has a lot of great points. A lot of um, great un- points. Un- unfortunately, our listeners are not going to be able to hear. I know. Um, um, gosh, you know, Autumn, at this point, I'd say maybe you should have your own podcast. It- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because um, that was great. The- there was one thing in her voicemail, though, that she did say uh, mm-hmm. that I just want to correct her on real quick. Um, she had mentioned how I, I had mentioned about how when Nick lost a little bit of his eyesight, mm-hmm. that he'd lost another sense. And she had made she had let us know that voice speaking is not a, a one of the senses, which I completely agree with. But the loss of the eyesight was something that he did not go through in the books. Hearing is a sense, which he had lost. Mm-hmm. So when I was referring to he had lost another sense, I was referring to his partial vision, uh, not not the speaking. Right. Okay, that so, makes sense. But that was it. But uh, but again, thank you, Autumn. Um, unfortunately, most nobody's going to get to hear uh, most of her great points, but she wanted to make sure we included that prediction at the end. So absolutely, uh, I, I wish made, we could we include more sure. because that was a very well constructed and well thought out voicemail. Um, just um, didn't have uh, enough time for it. I think it was about 13 minutes. So, but thank you, Autumn. Please continue to write in. I I, I loved your perspective um, that you had there. So thank you so much. And just try to keep it to like no more than three <laughs> or four minutes. Because then we can get it in there. Then we can probably fit, fit most of it in there. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't want to discourage anyone from writing in, but... Um, to be fair, though, it seemed like that, that full voicemail was catching up on... Mm-hmm. All the episodes we've covered so far. Ex- yes. So, so now that we're caught up with her thoughts, now, Autumn, you can leave another voicemail for just the next episode. Yes. And we'll be good. I agree. Thank- and she shares my prediction for the dam. Yep, sure did. My new prediction for the dam. Yeah, your, your, your modified prediction. <laughs> awesome. Thank you again, Autumn, so much. It was great to listen to uh, the voicemail. Um, and of course, um, it wouldn't be a complete episode um, if we didn't have a voicemail from our good friend, Steve. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm just rewatching episode five before I watch episode six. And I just got to the part at the end where Flag says he, he knows Dana and he knows the judge, but he wants to know who the third spy is. The one who thinks he's smarter than me is what Flag says. And uh, just thinking about as Tom Cullen, he's not smarter than you, Flag. He's purer than you. Hey, uh, Ben and Rima, this is Steve. And I uh, just had to throw that in as I was uh, watching episode five again. Okay. So I just finished the second watch of episode six, and man, there's a lot that happened in this. Um, uh, see if I can keep it to just a couple quick thoughts. Um, that's definitely not the Flash. <laughs> wow, Ezra Miller, uh, it, what we got of you was brief, but uh, I hope we get some more. I'm sure we're going to have to get some more, right? Because there's only three more episodes left, or two more episodes, and then the coda. Um, but uh, man, that ending, it was... Uh, uh, scary because you know there's still going to be people hurt and, and probably people besides Nick uh, dead I would assume and we got to wait a week before we uh, find out what happened um, yeah uh, gosh two more episodes left proper and then uh, the coda we have no idea what the coda is going to be so uh, can't wait to hear you guys uh, talk about this one and I know this was quick but man really good episode <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Just, just the fact that he started with a laugh. <laughs> I know. It was good. And I don't know, Steve, after this episode, 
I think Tom Cullen might be smarter than Randall Flagg. I mean, he got away, didn't he? He he got away without being sensed. He's the only spy to get out. And the way he did it, I mean, I don't know. He might be smarter than Randall Flagg. I don't know. We shall see. See what happens next. That was awesome. What a great amount of feedback. Uh, Lots of thoughts. A lot of passion. Um, Keep it coming. I know this. This was great. Keep it coming, guys. We're we're um, you know coming into the final stretch. We're coming into episode seven for next week. Um, so only a couple more to go. Let's see how this one finishes out. Um, so thanks again. Um, and speaking of next week, as I mentioned, um, we will be covering episode seven, which didn't have a title yet. Which it I does. thought I couldn't find it. What the hell is it? It's called the walk. Well, not according to Wiki, it didn't. Oh, according to IMDb, it does. <laughs> I, I have to stay off IMDb. I get spoiled I, off IMDb. N- IMDb really doesn't spoil much anymore. They've gotten really good. Well, they don't post anything until the episodes air. Well, good, because they didn't used to. I have, I've had to, avo- the last se- several shows I've done, I've had to avoid IMDb because it gets so damn spoilery. So I avoided it, but I Googled it and there was no, they, they typically will give it, but um, okay. So episode seven, Ep- The Walk. Episode seven is called The Walk. Episode eight is called The Stand. And then episode nine <clears throat> is Coda, Franny and the Well. So, I mean, it gives us pretty good speculation as to what next week's episode will be then. Because that's it's gonna that, it's gonna be the four, one. yeah. I think it's gonna be the four making the trek to Vegas. Yeah, to New Vegas. I think so. I'm excited. I can't wait. Me neither. I, we're, I'm sad. We're almost done. I know. I know. I'm. I'm, I'm excited to go back and rewatch this whole thing as a whole instead of I week by week. I'm just more sad. It just means that I'm almost done podcasting on Strange Indeed. Oh, Ben. You know, we're just starting our adventures together with podcasting. We'll we sh- we'll have to do we'll- more projects together for sure. Yeah, Pake's coming back though, and Pake will be back. Uh, Pake will be back for episode eight. Episode eight. Yep, mm-hmm. not next week, but the following week. Pake will be back one more time before we wrap up the series. Yeah, Pake Pake will be back with us, and and you and I will continue to work on some things together because you know certainly having a lot of fun podcasting with you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we are excited for you to travel to the Boulder Free Zone with us. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. You can email us or record a voice message and email it to us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. And speaking of great podcasts on Podcastica, um, House Podcastica um, will be wrapping up Season 3 of Cobra Kai this week. Uh, We'll be covering Episodes 9 and 10. What a great... I I finally watched the last two episodes, Ben. (laughs) Expect feedback from me this week. <laughs> I fully expect feedback from you on it because we. I know that you had already watched it when you um, recorded with us a few weeks mm-hmm. back, and you knew all the stuff that I finally. I mean, as soon as we were done recording on Saturday, I was like the first thing I did. I put every, I, I shut everything down and went and immediately turned on the last two episodes. And wow! Um, and you now understand. When I was on two episodes ago, mm-hmm. talking about episodes five and six, 
how hard it was for me to not give spoilers away. I don't know how you managed to rein it in because um, so much happened. And I, I texted Jason and, and Rich after it. Like, Rich watched it and he's like, oh my gosh, those last two are awesome. And Jason's like, yeah. And I was like, I, I wish we could talk about it right now. Like, I wish we could just <laughs> turn everything back on and just podcast about it because I have to talk about these two episodes. So... I. I, I was listening to this pe- this past week's episode. I listened to the one on uh, episodes uh, seven and eight. And at one point in the beginning of the episode, Jason even says, we had Ben on last week. And I'm pretty sure I remember him saying that even though he liked episode five, he really liked the ending. And I'm in my car and I'm screaming, yes, I love the ending. Yeah. So everyone like you, Ben, has already, I'm sure, watched it and binged it or, or gotten past this because we were just taking the two episodes week to week. Um, but we're, you know, we're, we're finally getting there. We're going to cover those last two episodes this week. If you haven't already watched Cobra Kai, um, any of the seasons and certainly season three, please go do so now and check us out on House, House Podcast. It's been a lot of fun um, covering that show. It was an unexpected surprise for me, that show. So it's it's been fun. Um and speaking of, of great podcasts, please check out Ben and all of his podcasts on the nextlevelnetwork.com. Um, you can check out Ben and all of his podcasts and all the projects that he has going on. Ben, you've always got so many balls in the air. I don't know how you keep them, keep them all up. Um, I don't, I, you know, just hearing the phrase balls in the air sounds weird after seeing what we saw Ezra Miller do at the beginning of this episode. There was no correlation to that whatsoever. Strictly talking about all your projects (laughs) i I know it's just a weird coincidence i know i know (laughs) no but i've i've always got stuff cooking um you know between doing this with you every week now uh you know the lost podcast that i still do which we're in season four we're going to be pushing through uh the rest of four five and six and then we've already kristen and i have already figured out what show we're covering next which we're really excited. We're going to start doing Once Upon a Time. Oh, okay. After after Lost. Cool. Um, um, you know, a lot of the same writers and a lot of the same actors have appeared in both shows. Mm-hmm. And it's a show I've been wanting to go back and revisit because I never finished it. Oh, So that's going to be fun. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be a fun one to go back to. Uh, the Spotlight, which is my celebrity interview show is coming back for season seven, uh, hopefully by the end of next month. So that by the end of February, that show will be returning. I'm booking interviews now. Sweet. And then I have Wilhelm, which is my new film podcast, which um, actually by the, no, not by the time you're hearing this, because you'll be hearing this tomorrow or the day after we're recording. Um, but hopefully by this weekend, the preview show will be up, and then after that, we start getting into actual episodes. Nice. So I'm excited. Yeah, the the nextlevelnetwork.com is where you can find all the information on everything. Where to subscribe, what the shows are, how to listen. Everything is there. It's the easiest way to find everything. So if I can get some of you guys to come over and start listening. Actually, I know some of your listeners already check out the Lost Podcast. Yeah, some do. Which, yeah. Which is cool. I know uh, Gemma is one of the people that listens, mm-hmm. and uh, she's left us feedback there before. So, yeah, it's it's nice to have a shared audience. It is nice to have a shared audience. I'm, I'm okay with sharing. I might be, um, you know, grew up as an only child for most of my life, but uh, <laughs> I'm okay sharing. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> and a lot of a lot of voices you know between yourself and Jason and Rich. Um, mm-hmm. You'll you'll hear them on Wilhelm at some point too. So we're all everybody, going there. Yep. Everybody will be over at some point. Yep. So it'll be a lot of fun. Can't wait. Uh, but that is our show. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Yeah. Um, until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Ben. And autumn memory is strange indeed.